Hello. Thanks for tuning in to the Saturday Night Supper Club podcast. This week, we're welcoming back Bob Holloway. He's continuing on his sermon series that he started a couple weeks ago, The Blessings of God's Love, talking about the Beatitudes. In this week's message, Bob gives a sermon titled, Blessed Are You, focusing on the part of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says, Blessed are the poor in spirit. We hear that phrase a lot, but what does it even mean? And how does that affect our lives from day to day? What does it mean to be poor in spirit? Why are we blessed to be so? Bob dives into that and answers a lot more questions about the Beatitudes in this week's message. Enjoy. Can you hear me now? Thank you. Thank you for being here, and um, it's good to be here. I I was uh, speaking, what was it, two weeks ago, before I was so interrupted by Brian Fenimore. Isn't he awesome? Gosh, what an incredible talent. That guy's really gifted. I just, I just love to listen to him he is so and his prophetic gift is just incredible I love that so a couple of weeks ago I started off um, a kind of a it's I think it's going to be an ongoing series um, at least through the the Beatitudes I'll be teaching from Matthew 5 and I started off by teaching uh, verse 3 let me just catch you up I'm going to read and backtrack just a little bit this is uh, starting with verse 1 it um, it began when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then we come to the verse, verse 4, which is our focus for tonight. This is what I'll be teaching from, is this one verse, and it says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now that sounds pretty straightforward, doesn't it? But anytime you hear Jesus teach, I want you to know there's more there than you can take in in one reading. So let me just bring in another translation that opens that up just a little bit. So you ready? So this says, this is J.B. Phillips' paraphrase, and his words are like this. How happy are those who know what sorrow means. For they will be given courage and comfort. Now, isn't that just the craziest statement you ever heard? Happy are those who know what sorrow means. Knowing what sorrow means. Now, you may be super Christian and have a, a great profession of faith, but I'm just Mr. Joe Average. And for me, I got I to gotta get a hold of that. And to me, I've got to get some understanding of what it means for knowing what sorrow means. So let's think about that for just a minute. When I think of the word sorrow, I imagine expressions of grief and sadness and disappointment and regret. And I'm not getting any happiness there. You getting any happiness there? Okay, so let's keep reading because Jesus must have meant something there that we need, we need to mine this thing a little deeper, don't we? And, and you know what? That doesn't bring to mind a picture of happiness. So when I think of words like mourning or sorrow, I think in terms of general expressions of loss. Then I'm, I'm not feeling good about this message right now, okay? <laughs> I'm wanting to bring you some good news, and so we're going to have to go a little deeper. So let's see if we can get there. So in this image of loss, there's so many thoughts and expressions, and they range along a spectrum of mildly disappointing all the way to the end of something called anguish. And all along this line, there's not happy words. You with me? I'm getting words like when I did a little 
little check on synonyms. This is the stuff I pulled up. Disappointment, discouragement, gloomy, melancholy, dejected, regret, sadness, downcast, heartbroken, miserable, despondent, depression, mourning, inconsolable grief, despair, and anguish. And I'm not getting happy vibes. So here's the key. This is the Bob take on this message. And I think I'm on solid ground here. And you, you don't stone me yet. Let me finish my message, okay? But here's what I think. I think he was saying that when you truly experience these emotions, in the midst of this experience, that they would come to know their sorrow and pain. They would walk through them, and they would become blessed and happy because something would come to them that they would never have received otherwise. Okay, let me, let me just do a little better job than that. So let me ask, start by asking you a question. Do you believe that it's possible to walk through the deep experiences of sorrow, like pain and grief and sadness, disappointment and regret, and come out the other side and be okay? Because the, the answer, the right answer for Christians is to smile and say, of course, Bob. But, <laughs> but when you're in the middle of it, it ain't so easy to say that. Can you just agree with me on that? Because I've sat in rooms with most of you, and you've told me that it wasn't. Can we just be real? Okay, because I've been doing this for 30-something years in a closed room with people who said it's not okay. That's reality. Okay? So I'm learning that no matter what you may be feeling or experiencing in the middle of your sorrow and grief, the answer is yes, you can come through that season and be okay. No matter what it is, you can. Is it easy? No. <laughs> it's not. Is it worth it? Definitely. But here's the problem. The problem is actually getting through those seasons. And we're going to talk about the process tonight. See, the problem is in the way that we deal with suffering and grief and despair while we're in those seasons. That's the problem. So, so many times hurting people push down their pain instead of confronting it don't we? And so this leads to a life of what I call unresolved agony and sadness. And so if I am not dealing with my pain and I'm pushing it down, where does it go? But listen to this. I'm speaking from experience. So this is not some theory. And I didn't get this in seminary. I've experienced this. If you don't confront your pain and then move through it and then walk away from it, then you end up having to live in it. Am I right? You know I'm right. As children of God, we must learn how to walk away from pain and not hide in it. Now, so that we can become healthy and whole, people who can live joyful lives. 
Now I look around me and I don't see a lot of joyful Christians. So there must be some of us that are still hiding in our pain. Oh, you're not still smiling at me. <laughs> okay. So if we don't become preoccupied with our sadness and everything begins to take, if we don't, let me say this a different way. If we don't do this, we become preoccupied with our sadness. And our lives take on overtones of gloom and melancholy and it comes out of our pores and we lose our joy and we become people who are not fun to be around. And if we are happy, it's because we've put on something that's not true. So let's take a look at some practical steps on how we can learn to confront our pain and walk away from it. Are you game? Okay. And so this is not original with me. I've borrowed stuff from everybody I know that's smarter than me. And is that okay? Some of this is mine because I've lived in it. And some of it I borrowed from people who have also lived in it. And I put it together in a way that I think makes sense. I'm going to give you some pointers. And I'm going to try to move through this. This is way too much. So I'm going to move through it real quick. Are you ready? First of all, I go right back to the foundational, elemental Kingdom core value. Forgive those who cause you pain. I'm sorry. If you don't do this, you can't move to the other stuff because you're just dragging a ball and chain behind you. It's the truth. Forgiveness is the door to freedom, both for your sin and the sin of others. And it allows you to begin living a life of peace. Okay, let me give you two points on that. Number one, forgiveness is an act of your will, and it's not a manifestation of your emotions or desires. It has nothing to do with your feelings. Forgiveness doesn't have to feel good. Feelings have nothing to do with forgiveness. It's solely an act of the will, and it's a choice you make to set yourself free from the suffocation of being a victim. It's for you. It's to set you free from a life being a victim and a prisoner. Second, forgiving someone doesn't keep you from experiencing pain when you're around that person. Can I get a big amen? amen? And it doesn't mean you have to trust them. And that's true too, isn't it? Forgiveness simply means you no longer will that person to be punished. That's in your ballpark, God. They're yours and what you do with them is your business. My will is that you would take that situation on you. That's no longer mine. The second thing, after this forgiveness issue, there's a second point. You with me? Change the way you think about pain. One of the greatest misconceptions people have about pain is that time heals. And let me tell you, this couldn't be further from the truth. Time does not heal. If time healed, people in prison would be the most whole people in the world. Let me give you a quote from Dr. Henry Townsend. This guy is smart. He said this, time heals, but try saying that to an untreated infection. Here's what he says. Time plus the other ingredients heals all things. Time by itself is denial. 
So time plus other ingredients heals all things. Now I'm going to tell you about the other ingredients tonight so we can put those in with your time because if you're serving time in this place called morning, you might as well have the other ingredients so you can emerge out the other side and come out and be joyful. You get it? Okay. So this Chris Vallison, in his time of suffering, and by the way, did you know he was bedridden with depression for years? Absolutely. And he emerged and wrote books and began a speaking engagements out of his own healing, and he has integrity because of that. Let me tell you what he says. Over the course of many trials and tribulations, I have learned the value of finding joy in the process of my pain and of looking forward to the outcome. <laughs> Let me say it again. I look forward to finding joy in the process of my pain and of looking forward to the outcome. Now he says this, joy or the promise of joy. Not that he has joy in the pain, but he has joy in the outcome of where it's going to take him. Okay? Gives you the ability to face seemingly impossible circumstances and helps you to thrive when life is hard. This doesn't feel good now, but it won't last forever, and I know where it's taking me, and I'll be a changed person on the other side. And I will have joy again, because it's promised to me. Now, I think James, when he wrote James 1, and if any of you have read James 1, and you will, because I'm going to read it to you, I think he was quoting his Savior Jesus from Matthew 5, 4. That's our, our message tonight. James 1, he wrote this, Consider it nothing but joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you fall into various trials. Now, was he quoting Jesus? I believe he was. He says, you're blessed when you're suffering because joy is going to come to you. He says here, consider it nothing but joy. My brothers and sisters, whenever you fall into various trials, be assured. Now, what does that mean? You can count on it. Oh, this is a promise that the testing of your faith through experience produces endurance that in parentheses leading to spiritual maturity and inner peace. This is not a waste of time. And I want you to know the end result is you're going to be a changed person and you'll be full of joy and you'll be blessed because of this. Look to the end result. Don't look at your circumstances right now. Count it all joy on the end result. Now, when it comes to our third point, and I'm going to make it in a minute, um, I want you to know we've talked about forgiveness. We've talked about changing the way you think about pain. This third point, I just have come through personally because I, my brother passed away. This is talking about grieving loss of people you love. Number three is allowing yourself to mourn. Okay? This is a different kind of mourning. This is a mourning of a loss of a, someone you care about. And this is um, contrary to pop popular opinion. Mourning's not sitting in a dark room thinking about your agony until you become angry or depressed. It can look like that because grieving looks different to everybody, doesn't it? I mean, whatever emotion you're experiencing in your grief is yours, and it's valid. I can't say it's not valid because it's yours, right? So it can be part of your, your process. But it certainly isn't the end game. Let me say this about grief. 
The process of mourning that leads to wholeness, and that is our goal, is it not? Has a beginning and it has an end. If it doesn't have an end, it's <laughs> it has no wholeness. Grieving has a beginning and an end. If it has no end, it has no wholeness. We must find an end to our grieving. It can't be premature, but it can't be prolonged. It must be a healthy place. And let me say this. In the same way we mourn at a funeral, we remember a person, we go through the memories, we cry, we grieve, and then at the end we get up and leave and we emerge and re-engage in life. Grief is just like that. There's a season that's our season. Nobody can tell us what our season is. But we engage the memories and we cry and there's a washing and a cleansing. And we pass through that and we eventually in time we rise, we emerge, and we re-engage with life. Do you get it? Okay. I'm starting to do that with the memory of my brother. I talked to Janet this week. I felt something change. Suddenly, everything wasn't gray. There was some color, and, and I felt different. And I could tell that I was emerging and feeling something different. I couldn't have done that a week ago, and somebody couldn't have told me I needed to get over it. You know what I mean? That, that wouldn't have made me mad. <laughs> okay. Our fourth point we're going to make is about processing pain and sorrow and disappointment and, re and regret. By the way, disappointment and regret are really serious. Because when they get infected, they're as painful as anything in your life. We need to, number four, we need to examine your troubled thoughts. These things that plague us in our thinking. Let me give you a quote. I love this guy's quote. I've got, it, I've got it in my phone. I look at it so often. It says this, Don't let any problem get away without interrogation. Ask why it came and what purpose it serves and don't let it go until it blesses you. And so I didn't think of that. Lance Wall now did, and he's brilliant. And so I just borrowed his wisdom and wrote it in my phone so I don't forget it. And so I do, so I have to go back and read it all the time because I have no memory anymore because I'm an advanced in age. And so you'll give me a pass there <laughs> because I'm 72. That's, that's old. And so don't, ask, don't let any problem get away without interrogation. What does interrogation mean? I'm going to question you until I get the answers I need. And so we ask these questions. Why did you come into my life? Why are you here? And what purpose do you serve by plaguing me and driving me crazy? And you're not going to leave until you bless me. You get it? And so this step is the, one of the most challenging steps because it requires that I dig down to the root issues and find out why this thing is here in my life. Why is it here and driving me nuts? I'm going to find out. And oftentimes I can't by myself and I need some help. Have you discovered we need help? Often only God can tell us the source of these internal conflicts. And we don't have the ability to diagnose our own innermost thoughts. I can't diagnose my own innermost thoughts. You get it? Because many times I'm my own worst enemy and I'm blind to my own stuff. And so sometimes I need ministry from other people who can help me, who are objective, and they see my blind spots. 
Am I right? And so I may need a sozo minister. I may need a counselor. I may need uh, someone who's prophetic. I may need someone, an accountability team, group, somebody who is outside my problem who can look at it and say, it's obvious to us, Bob, and ask me good questions that cause me to come to my senses. Does that make sense? Somebody who can be honest with me, who has the maturity and the spiritual savvy and revelation to talk to me and ask me questions who will hang in there with me, who cares about me. You get it? Okay. We need somebody in the boat with us. Right? And so I might need to go get some help. And I've done that before. I've gone up to Longmont. There's a pastor up there who heads up the Sozo ministry. And I'll go plug in with Pastor Bill. And he knows me. <laughs> and so we sit down in the room and he and one of his people and they sit down and they say, what's going on? And I'll tell him, there's an event here. It's a level two event. And I, I reacted at level 10 and there's something going on here that's not right. And he'll sit down and do a sozo ministry with me and we'll get some healing on that. On the, and usually it's tied to something I can't see. You get it? So examine your troubled thoughts and it'll help you through your time of grief and sadness and mourning and freaking out. That's a theological term. Okay? <laughs> so when our fourth point was examine your troubled thoughts, so many times we'll understand there's something wrong. We may even understand what it is. So what do we do with that? That leads us to number five. You need to actually put that into motion and do something with that. This is where most people really have trouble because it requires that you engage something in your life and you actually do something with this. Most people want everybody else to do something for them and they don't know how to actually discipline themselves in their own life. If you spent your whole life shut down because you're afraid of rejection or pain or hurt or relationships. Anybody here like that? Everybody raise your hand. We've all been hurt in relationships, haven't we? And so there's areas where we're still vulnerable and tender. And so in this place, this is a great time to learn how to find out these circumstances by strengthening yourself. If you found out there's an area here, you examined your life and you found out there's a place there where you are um, still tender, it's time to strengthen yourself in that area. Am I right or am I right? I'm right, of course. Here's where you need to do some hard work on yourself. And so you'll need to develop some self-determination to get things in motion. You'll need the Lord to help you. When you turn to him and say, Lord, I really need your help here and some courage to do the right things, he immediately responds and gives you the grace to empower you to stand up and have courage. Did you know that? All he's waiting for you to do is say, I need help and I will. And he says, so will I. And so here, there's a couple of things I would recommend. In the area of, in relationships primarily, in the area of boundaries, I would recommend that you read some material by uh, Townsend and Cloud. In the book they've written, it's Ground Setting on Boundaries. It's really good reading. It gives you some understanding on, on boundaries. And then if you need some help there, you can, you can, you'll know how to proceed. Get some basic understanding about boundaries. You may find out that you have none. Okay? Or that the people around you don't understand what that means. And you can begin to set some and call things that are healthy as they are. 
in the area of communications where you've not had a voice and you've not known how to speak for yourself and stand up for yourself, you may need to learn how to communicate in a healthy way without going to either extreme where you have no voice or your only voice you have is screaming and intimidation and anger. There's a healthy place in the middle where you learn to speak in a healthy way. And you may want to read Danny Silk's book on Keep Your Love On. It's excellent. So there's a couple of resources where you can begin to strengthen yourself. You get it? Okay, so that's my point. And the last point here is called pace yourself. Now, I, I'm not very smart in this. Chris could be, he's a lot smarter on this than I am in terms of pacing yourself. Say, for instance, you're working out. If you work out every day and you pound the iron every day, what happens to your muscles? They never have time to recover, do they? And you don't build muscle, you tear muscle down and you get weaker and weaker and weaker. And so learning to pace yourself, it's the same thing with your emotions. You have to have a break in working on yourself. And so I would say, the way, <laughs> the way it comes to me is this. If you process and you're diligent and you're working on your stuff all the time, you can end up in what we call an emotional breakdown. You need to take it easy. You need to take a break. There's things you need to do to take care of yourself. And here's some things that I, I know better, and I'm going to confess to you that I don't do well. Okay? One of these is uh, you need to eat better. I've, had, I've been forced to do that because I had declining health when I found out there were things that I couldn't eat, and I had to start eating differently. Because I had food allergies, I began to have to change my diet. So you need to eat better. If you find your health is bad, find out what's wrong and go discipline yourself to do that. Another thing is to get more rest and more sleep. Take care of yourself. We were just talking about, weren't, weren't we? Another thing is to exercise more often. And I don't work out like this guy does, but if you, the, the, the very least you can do is get on a treadmill and begin to walk. Do something that begins to generate some kind of activity that's good for your body, okay? Another thing is to find time to have fun. You know, stop and smell the roses. Get out and do something besides sitting there and worrying all the time and go have some fun, okay? Okay, okay, Jen's ready to take a trip right now. <laughs> She's good at having fun. She's good for me because she reminds me all the time, Bob, we need to not do this right now. This is way too serious and you've been doing it too long. Okay? We're going to take a break and you're going to go have fun with me. And so she'll take me away and we'll go have fun. So she's good for me. I don't always do these things well, but I at least try to isolate the ones that I'm doing the least good in and try to go focus on that to try to shore that up. Can you do that too? Sure you can. So it's worth it. Regardless of the area you're hurting in or you're numb in, do this. In the season when you're mourning or you're hurting or you're in pain, I want you to know at the end of this there's joy. But you must work through it in order to walk away from it. You can't walk away and not work through it because it'll still be there. Right? Did I make my point? Okay. Today I'm going to pray. Wherever you are in your process of mourning or sorrow, whatever you call your pain, that you're going to find comfort in the voice of a loving Father. He is for you and not against you. He's calling you in this verse to come to a place where you confront 
the things that are hurting you. And he says, I'll meet you there and bring blessing and joy to your life. I'll show you process and I'll give you victory if you'll stand and face it. Amen? Okay, let me pray for you. So Jesus, thank you for your words of life that are spoken to those you've called to follow you. We are those ones. And we admit that there are times in our lives when we hurt and we need your comfort. There are times in this process when we need to look past our chronic pain and our seasons, Lord, sometimes that we think we'll never emerge from that seem like this is just life as usual. And we need to see there's a joy on the horizon. Give us your words of encouragement and call us blessed as you touch us. Help us to remember this process and find the courage to engage it, to walk through it and out the other side into freedom. It's in your name we pray. And all of God's thankful children said, Amen. Amen. As always, thank you so much for listening to the SNSC podcast. To stay up to date on the latest messages, make sure that you follow us on SoundCloud and subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. Search Saturday Night Supper Club and we'll be right there. Here at SNSC, we care so much about community. We'd love for you to stop by. If you're ever in the Castle Rock, Colorado area, we meet every Saturday night. We have awesome worship. We hear from these amazing speakers and we always serve a free meal. Find more information at SaturdayNightSupperClub.org. Have a great week.